Welcome to the Waste Not Want Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild our relationship with nature, revitalizing our natural resources by minimizing waste and maximizing human potential. I trust you'll discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future that you can then cultivate and transform to suit your own lifestyle so we can collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. The podcast is now published on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio and Google Podcasts. So please subscribe or follow on your preferred platform, then share far and wide. And if you have time, I'd really appreciate your feedback and reviews. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philiparos.com. Hello Wastebusters, welcome to episode 13. Trisk Ada Kofobics have a fear of the number 13 because it's synonymous with bad luck, but I see life through a different lens. In numerology, 13 breaks down to the number 4, which is linked to the heart, and that's the intent I work from. So I'm busting the misfortune myth and adopting what ancient cultures say about those drawn to the number which is that we're not afraid to think differently and believe in the creative expression of intelligence and consciousness connected to the divine feminine associated with the number. Now I've cleared the path for positive news. It's Sea Week here in New Zealand, so I'm donning my thalassophile, ocean-loving hat, to share this week's good news linked to the blue parts of the planet. First is the stupendous discovery of polar explorer Ernest Shackleton's ship HMS Endurance that has been found intact in Antarctica. An uncanny timing that precisely aligned to the very day he was buried a hundred years ago. While we're in the Southern Ocean region, there's much tail splashing happening amongst the humpback whales who are celebrating a significant increase in numbers over the past 60 years since they were first protected. But we can't rest on our laurels. We have to curtail illegal fishing, shipping traffic, noise pollution, seabed mining, plastic and chemical pollution. All man-made threats that impact the climate, acidifying and warming the waters. My hope this week is for the same union of minds that came together last week to create a legally binding treaty on plastics, that they do the same when they consider a treaty for the high seas. Despite covering half the planet, currently only 1.2% of the high seas are safeguarded because there's a lack of clear rules to establish protected areas, leaving its marine life vulnerable to exploitation. Again, due to human demand for marine resources like mining for materials, fossil fuel and food. You can show your support for the High Seas Treaty by signing a petition created by Only One, a not-for-profit organisation on a mission to rebuild ocean life for people on the planet. I'll leave the link in the show notes. On a more local level, sand mining in Mungafai and Parkery is affecting both land and sea life. There's a petition for this too, also in the show notes. There is no doubt that collectively, protecting something positively impacts everyone. I've just watched a video clip on which David Attenborough celebrates the population growth of the mountain gorillas he visited in Rwanda 40 years ago, which has grown from 250 to over 1,000 thanks to the collaboration of the people who learn to coexist with them. It's no coincidence that my guest this week should be featured in the very same week as International Women's Day, a day when women are honoured for their contribution to society. 
This year, the focus has been on equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. Netta Talmor's indomitable will to serve her community and create a level playing field to produce win-win-win scenarios is testament to the great power and responsibility she sustained for decades to develop a ready-made website business that supports her no-hassle approach to life. Welcome to the show, Netta, all the way from Canada. It's an absolute privilege to have you with me. Thank you so much, Philippa. It's my honor. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, I have to share with um, the listeners that, um, I mean, I've been a customer of yours for six years now, and um, I know time is one of those things that you help people save. But um, your reply to me just cracked me up. And I quote, waste of all types is one of my pet peeves. If it's not toilet paper, it should be used more than once. A classic <laughs> from you. <laughs> I I believe in that totally. I've never liked any kind of waste. And I, my adult life, I think I've done many, many things very consciously not to waste materials, work, time, anything that I can think of. And I have two children and this is how we raise them as well. We are very careful about any kind of waste. Uh, so yeah, toilet paper is one of those things that I feel very comfortable <laughs> letting go after a single use. Well, that's and, a relief anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. Although, just say, if you want to know, I'm a big fan of bidets, so that saves on toilet paper. <laughs> Can you share any particular things? I mean, I know from my own journey, like over the last 15 years, it has become so ingrained now, the practices. It's actually hard to remember what you do. And so I make a conscious effort every six months or so to to look at what what else I can do and this the part of it is um actually doing this podcast so is there anything particular that you do specifically to materials environment anything anything so first of all my business is called no hassle website but my husband told me uh, after a few years of starting the business he said all the things you ever do are always no hassle like that is always my philosophy so cutting time, making things more efficient, whether it is cooking in bulk and so on, or yeah, just creating systems. I'm really into systems oh, to, save I know. Time, <laughs> to, save, to save time or if it's materials. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, basically never worked for anyone else. So uh, all my businesses... Uh, Almost all of them were related to making things easier and simpler. And so I'll give you an example. The most obvious in, in, in this environmental context is that I used to own a cloth diaper company. What do you call it there in New Zealand? Nappies? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Real nappies or whatever you call them. And so that's obvious. You know, I had babies and I create I created the business because I was not going to use diapers, disposable diapers and you know, throw them out of yeah. immediately. It just felt so bad. Uh, but that's an obvious thing. I used to have a, a hotel in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. <laughs> and what, yeah, I have all kinds of stories for you. And, awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, uh, many years ago, my husband and I, we, we, we started, built a, a, a boutique hotel in the middle of nowhere in Costa Rica. And the way I got people to come to the hotel was after I created a 10-day 
Costa Rica package because again, it was so wasteful. I was helping so many people come to Costa Rica and do basically the same. Everyone has the same amount of time, the same, more or less the same budget. They want to see the same highlights. So instead of recreating it each time and explaining it, I just created a 10 day package that also included our hotel. So it was a win-win situation. Mm. I, I really love, I really love win-win-win situations when there is at least three areas. So the, the local, you know, the other hotels and providers and drivers and so on were winning. My clients were winning and we were winning. Awesome. And so, yeah. So always, how can we make it better, smarter, uh, you know, less wasteful. Well, and they always say that, um, which I know is the reason that you started the um, the No Hassle website was the, the very fact, we tend to do these things to help ourselves. Mm-hmm. So this this podcast is filling me up, but um, perhaps you could share your, your story as to how No Hassle a website came, came into being. Okay, so yes, I'm happy to share that. We, like I said, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. So I've built over the years websites for myself. I wasn't a website expert. I'm just, I'm techie. I like tech stuff. So it always came pretty natural to me to learn. I learned HTML in 1997. Uh, But yeah, but then for my businesses, I I built my own websites and learned stuff. But the reason that I created No Hassle website was because I was uh, active in uh, entrepreneurs' Facebook groups, you know, to be, because I'm an entrepreneur and with no agenda, I didn't have a, I didn't even have a business to promote or to, to connect with. <laughs> that wasn't, that wasn't the purpose. It was for me to fill myself up, to learn, to see what's going on, to get inspired by others. People kept on asking the same questions about websites. What should I do? Should I work? You do WordPress. Should I hire someone? What are plugins? How do I do this? How do I do that? So I help myself by not having to answer the same question again and again and giving people the same advice. I was like, I'll just. So my husband, again, he was involved in my uh, brainstorming. I came to him and I said, Why isn't there just a website that already has everything they need? And as I uttered the words, I had this vision exactly of what I want to include. And I learned what I needed to learn. It's not that I was a web designer or web expert. I knew enough to know exactly what I wanted. And then I created No Hassle website in February 2016. And in March 2016, I launched it because I don't waste time. (laughs) (laughs) I can can attest to that. And I've actually been a customer of yours since the very conception as well, haven't I? Yes, yes. You are one of my first, not oldest. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, you've been around for, for a long time. I have that for people that I don't even know how they heard about me from these communities. Uh, and then it grew up, grew to what it is today. Yeah. yeah. But I have to, one of the things is um, I'm a very, um, I'm like a little magpie. If I see something of interest, focusing on one thing is very hard for me. So structure mm-hmm. and strategy is definitely not my forte. And I just love the way you do it because it doesn't feel like it. You don't feel constrained mm-hmm. when you do it. And you have so enthusiastic and you're so giving in, 
in between the things that you offer, you're so giving in providing up two, three day, five day workshops, um, like boot camps and so on and so forth. And it gives people, I think it's really important, gives people a taster. And um, like, I'm not really a, an incredibly techie person, but I'm surprised how much I know and I've learned over the years sort of thing. You know, I mean, my children were more than likely know more than me, but they wouldn't know some of the things that I do. I mean, I've learned how to operate GarageBand and edit and things for this podcast. And wow. I re- recently um, launched um, my first online um, course with yourself. And, and the thing that really, really strikes me, you live up to your name so far as um, not wasting time because you say, and I'm not very good at asking. So you say, if it's going to take you more than 10, 15 minutes, you can't right. work it out. That's send, the rule. send a ticket to us and, Oh my God, you get these personalized emails back with instruction videos from yourself or part of your team or something. And it makes it so bloody easy. And you've got a massive library of videos and things that you you post how to do this, that and the other, which you obviously accumulated over the years. Thank you. Thank you. I am really happy to hear that. I think that it also goes back to not wanting to waste other people's time. So if I know that we can help someone so quickly because we know exactly you know, how to fix something or show you something, why would I want you to spend three, four hours on figuring out something and being frustrated? First of all, I don't want that for you, but also it's not good for business. It's a, it's a win-win situation yep. where we yep. are able to help you as long as my business model is sustainable in this way. And I, I, you know, and I've, I've shared this before, most of what I do, most of what my entire team does is to help our clients fulfill our promise to them. That is what we do that we don't, I don't do selling. That's a very small part of my business. So can you speak to that? Because that is a really important thing. Yeah. Yes. I I believe this is part of my uh, no hassle philosophy that uh, for a business to be successful and sustainable, especially in the type of businesses that I have had and my community has, I'm talking about a one woman show usually where with time she grows, but usually it starts at least for the first couple of years, a one woman show. She has to know everything, figure out everything, learn everything, tight budget, no time, all the, everything is, is so difficult and hard. I believe in those businesses, especially our advantage is with other things that big companies can't compete with or that other people in our industry can't offer. The type of one-on-one and support that I give, Wix cannot compete with that. Squarespace cannot compete with that. Other ed website designers cannot compete with that because that's not their business model. Yep. But I can do that. That's a huge advantage for me in the industry that although I offer something that in theory others can do, no one can do what we're actually doing. No one is competing with that special secret sauce that we have and for me it's it's customer service yep it's it that part and that brings me more sales yep than anything else in my business when i create something new and have a little launch i don't spend months on it you know tens of thousands of dollars on facebook ads and just push it and push it 
I introduced something because I think my community would enjoy it. Yep. I create it quickly, not I don't waste too much time. I launch it and usually my launches are about seven days from start to finish. So yes, I want people to know about it. Otherwise they won't know and you have to put offers out there. This is again, a win-win situation. I create things that people want if they don't know about it. If there's no shame uh, in selling. I don't have a problem with that. It's just not something I love doing. Yeah. So I rather invest my time in giving and supporting and teaching and using all the things that I love doing and I'm good at. And that brings me back the clients. They return and they bring all their friends. Yeah. So that has been a very, very important pillar in my business. And, and that is what we invest most of our time in. So I do that so you don't waste your time or money purchasing my products and building your business. And I have to attest that, that I mean, you know, most usually when you're giving a review for something, it's between one and five stars. There is no star system that actually reflects the kind of service that you provide. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. It's not age related or anything like that. It's very, very simple what you do. You don't have to have any technical knowledge to begin with, basically. Right, right. It doesn't make you feel less than. Uh, Why would anyone know the difference between hosting and a domain and how to point their name servers? Why would anyone know that? (laughs) Only if you actually need to do it for yourself, you should know these things. Yeah. So I do not assume that people know anything. And that's the kind of language that I speak. I really create everything always with non-techies in mind. I now see the age thing. Non-techies can be 20 years old, okay? That's not yeah. with me, with these kind of things. My daughter doesn't, she's 14 years old. She doesn't know how to create websites. She's an artist. She does other things. She will not know how to create a website until she creates her own no hassle website. Yeah, yeah. My son, who's 11, is super techy and a coder, and he's already built his own website. Most people don't know these things. Why would someone who has a passion for something and wants to start a business, why would they know all the back-end tech stuff of, a, yeah. of an online business? So my assumption is that my client is a non techie However, also techies can enjoy it. It's not just for non-techies. And I take it as a compliment that I do not speak in a way that makes people feel that they should have known something or why don't you understand this? On the contrary, everything assumes that you don't know what it is. I'll walk you through it and you'll become a mini pro by the end of you know, whatever it is that you're working on with. Equally, I mean, again, you tend to miss things. I've been privy to all your work for six years or so. So I can anticipate certain things when you're doing um, putting stuff out. But there's always something that you miss. I am more knowledgeable than somebody coming in at the basics, but I don't feel uh, that I'm yawning my way through the beginning of something, if you know what I mean. So it's mm-hmm. um, it really does suit all types of people, doesn't it? Yes, yes. I, I can tell you that over the years, I have a pretty typical type of uh, client, but that is not uh, determined by her level of skills or uh, tech. It is where she is in her life. So first of all, almost all my clients are women. And when I started, it's interesting. When I started, I thought that my audience is like 25 to 40 years old. Right. Nope. Nope. 
not at all. Most of my clients are over 40. So 40 to 60 is most of my clientele. Women from English speaking countries, mostly. Uh, and that was an interesting thing to learn and to realize. I even have a name for my uh, avatar client. It's Susan. I have so many Susans. <laughs> so many Susan clients for some reason uh, but that's a coincidence and yeah they all come from different backgrounds some have their own businesses brick and mortars and pivoting some worked in corporate their entire life and at the age you know 51 to start their own business some during COVID some have little children and maybe left a job or or want to leave a job so that, that is the type of, uh, of client that I usually have, but it's not about the level of their tech at all. And it's not just whether you're offering a service or you have a material product. It, it doesn't really matter what your type of business is, does it? Right. Uh, although I, I have noticed, and it's interesting you're, uh, you're talking about it, because actually very few of my clients have a physical product. So they may have a physical business. They may have a, a brick and mortar. I have consultant, you know, therapists and so on, people who have um, brick and mortar businesses. But as far as having a physical product that they ship and so on, it's actually a small percentage, although we have a no hassle uh, website, um, uh, e-commerce is included with it. And you can also, uh, you know, ship and sell and, and so on. Uh, but most of my clients are service based. At the end, their product is either one on one in some format or one to many courses, memberships, uh, consulting, coaching, mentoring, teaching, and all variations. But that boils down to like 95% of my clients. Wow. Fascinating. And just going back to what you're saying before, I mean, I always say within my mentoring um, business that you can't know what you don't know until you get there and you need to know. Yes, you need to know basis. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, the more you you begin to know, the more you realize you don't know kind of as well. <laughs> But at the same time, when you see a newbie coming into the group, you realize how much you do yes. know now. Yes, now, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I, I love it. Uh, as you know, we have a very active and um, drama-free, supportive Facebook group over the years that has grown to a few thousand people. And I love, love, love. I see a question and I'm very, I'm very active in it as well. But I like not to answer sometimes just yeah. to see the others come in and help. And people are so happy, like, oh, I didn't know that, but I, I know the answer for you. I can answer. <laughs> like, I didn't know it just a week ago or a month ago. And now they know. So they want to support others like they were supported. And that reflects your win-win-win kind of philosophy it's, as well. Exactly. So I know you have a little project in the um, pipeline. <laughs> I always have a project. Well, that's, yeah, that's a really silly thing to say, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> okay, I'm talking specifically about a book that you're writing. Okay, okay, because I wasn't sure which one of my projects <laughs> you're referring to. Yes, yes. Well, funny, funny story. This is one of the longest things that I've ever done. Writing a book is a challenge. So I started thinking about it a long time ago, but I really started deciding to take action over a year ago. So after the pandemic started, a little over a year ago, 
I had these stories and idea and a general framework, but it kind of crashed. And you said before that strategy and systems, I don't, I don't remember, is not your strength. They, they, those are my strengths. So yeah. I need, I cannot do things without the strategy. Yeah. And then I moved to the tactics and implementation. I had just an idea, but not a clear strategy. And it made the tactics and the implementation of actually writing very difficult for me. So I just, I started and I wrote things, but it didn't feel right because there was no flow to it. And it was not clear to me what I actually want people to get from the book. So without that, again, no strategy. And that's what I teach. You know, you don't have a strategy. Yeah, I teach that all the time. Yeah. It's you have to have it's it's a Venn diagram: the strategy, the tactics, and the implementation. Everything happens in the point where they all connect and meet each other. That is one of the mistakes that I see many entrepreneurs do, and also what I feel is missing with a lot of other service providers or people, you know, in, in this industry and world. They don't provide all three. So people jump into the tactics of whatever yeah. it is yeah. without having the strategy. You can't, it, it, there's a limit to what you can do. Yep. And, and, or you just stay in the strategy or theory part, but then there's no tactics and implementation. They stay, you know, people learn things. People learn all the time, but if you're not taking action, nothing happens. So that's kind of what happened with the book. I was stuck with that. And I just let it be. And I felt at the beginning, I was frustrated about it, but I'm not, I, I don't like to stay frustrated. <laughs> it's not a state that I like to live in. I just let go and I let it sink a little bit and percolate with my ideas. And then I went back to it actually in November, you know, that, um, what is it called? The November all over the world where you write for a month. Oh yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I was like, "That's my kind of thing. I'll take yep. action because because I had an idea. I felt like it's coming together. What, what the the missing pieces? And then for almost a whole month, I wrote every day, which was awesome. And then I have an editor I'm working with. Now finally, I have the structure, and we've now built it. And now I'm expanding and revisiting the things I wrote, and and so on. So yeah, but that has been a long process. There was a lot of waste there, which doesn't make me feel good. I don't like. But it's that. not waste. The big part of it is being comfortable with that first shitty draft, because there's a lot of stuff that needs to come out in order mm -hmm. to find the nuggets. For me. That's easy peasy, but the hard part for me is I've got all this stuff and it's all amazing. So <laughs> I have to decide precisely what my message is, the purpose mm -hmm. behind writing my book in order to fine tune it. And there's so much information. Sorry, I've written my book. Um, well, no, I, yes, I have. I've written it in draft. There's a couple of chapters missing, but it's been in the making for, I must say, 13 and a half years now. And oh, I know that would drive <laughs> you mental. But it's part of it's been about walking, the t learning to walk the talk mm -hmm. so I can write with conviction. And the hard part is actually because it has been so long, my voice changes in the way mm -hmm. that I write. So And so picking up something, you see some amazing sentence paragraph that you've created, but how do you go in there and still use it 
but use your voice today 10 years later kind of thing it can be overwhelming <laughs> yeah I I will say this uh, I am not uh, very emotionally attached to things I create whether I I try I do and it works works great doesn't work it's okay just the same also I don't regret things so I don't it's okay everything that has passed is okay with the book but in retrospect it, it has been a long process longer mm. than usual and I did, it did remind me of something that I didn't mention before you asked about how I save time and how I don't waste there is something that I love doing that could be considered wasteful but to me it's never a waste and that is taking naps I am a big midday napper it's one of my favorite things ever is to nap because uh, I don't sleep as much at night, not as I should, it's just my regular cycle. I don't sleep a lot at night. And then I need in the middle of the day, about this time now that we have the interview, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> is my perfect uh, nap time. And I never feel it's a waste. It's always rejuvenating. And I was like going to say, it's reframing it and, and it's actually right. conserving your energy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I love it. And I really feel without the nap, I can't do what I need to do. That is my favorite non-waste, wasteful thing that I do. We're not all the same. And that's the important thing mm -hmm. to remember, you know, whilst, you know, you work completely differently from me. And it's funny that some of my best friends and connections are with people who are really well structured. So um, that supports me. And equally, I can give back to them to loosen up a little bit. Um, it's really asking yourself and knowing yourself, does that work for me? There's a lot of information out there that is like, you should do it like, so, like such and such sort mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So for me, with my message with my business is my, my hope. And that's why I'm not pushy with sales and so on. I really, really want it to, be, to resonate. I want the person who hears me, if it sounds like what you need, then yeah. this is a good match. Yep. If not, you need a different system that I'm not providing or different support or different tech. My products require people to work, to do. It's not, we don't build the website for them. We give all the tools, plug and play, support, you know, step-by-step -step instructions. But at the end, I do not build websites at all. Yep. So people have to do the work. And some people don't want to do it and will never do it. It's okay. I'm yep. not here to, to judge. I'm not, yeah. that's not my role. But if you are inclined to that and you know that you need that kind of control in your business and that you cannot afford to hire someone every time you need and you and all those things, then this would be a good match. So that's very important in, in the message. And I have to, to clarify these. And I, I think I've done a, a good job over the years because it does attract the right people. So even though your personality may be different than mine or others, something about the way I present it and the way I deliver works for your system. You brought up a really important point there about um, not getting attached to things and letting go. So um, you intonated um, earlier in the conversation about um, never being employed and having your own businesses. And it's like, so how do you, how did you recognize, or was it just circumstances that that no longer worked or resonated with you and let it go and moved on. Moved on from- From letting one business or, go and uh, doing uh, something uh, else. Okay, okay. So I, I have to give credit uh, 
for this for my uh, father-in-law who years ago who's a retailer and he said never fall in love with your product it's not about the product <laughs> i mean it's not about you loving your product yep uh, but but to answer your your question the reason it was relatively easy to let go of previous businesses was, was that they were not successful financially right yep So for many, many years, my entrepreneurial journey is about 25 years in the making. And yeah, I started as a teen and certainly in my early 20s, uh, I already had businesses and I did not have a truly successful, sustainable, profitable business until No Hassle website, (laughs) which was six years ago. So most of my adult life, 20s and 30s, we were struggling financially very much. Um, my, my husband and I, and uh, I worked 20, I, I didn't work 24-7, but I was almost working 24-7, certainly 365 days a year. There was never any time off. And all those businesses that I mentioned before, even if they had certain types of success in terms of the product itself or the service or for a certain time, they were never profitable for a sustainable period. And so there were points in some of the businesses that there was no other option but to say it's done and deal with the ramifications of of closing the business or death and so on. Uh, But like I said, I don't regret anything. And the reason that I have the business I have today and I can teach the things I teach today and I can live this uh, life and, and create this business that works so, so well for myself my family, my employees, and my community is because of all the mistakes I made for 20 years. Yeah. So worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Do yeah. you know what your, because um, a lot of my work, I, the important thing for me is people to have the foundation and really know their values, what is important to them, because that is going to, when you're making a decision about something, it stops you from wobbling. Do you have any underlying values that have um, supported the foundation of your business, apart from no waste? <laughs> I, well, uh, of course, there. I think there are many, uh, many values that really control how I operate in, in the world, not just in business. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned about giving. That is uh, something that I grew up with uh, to serve. But again, it's not in contradiction with having money, having a business and so on. It's just my responsibility uh, to, to use my power and uh, to, to benefit others in a way that I can. So I've always done that in my businesses, mm. however they were. They, they always make someone on the other side happier, better, calmer, less overwhelmed, did something good to them. It has to continue to do that, of course, for me. Also, it's not a value, but my objective was never to just make money. That that has never been the motivation for me, never in any of the businesses. I had to let go of businesses because they were not making any money and I need to pay the mortgage and, and have food. And when I woke up in the morning, whatever business it was, it was not how can I make money? That was yeah. not what I wanted was to have the success in the sense that I created something that works and I benefit from it. Other benefit from it. It is sustainable. 
it is a win-win situation, that's when things collapse because there was no balance when I was working, you know, around the clock, struggling financially, and still I was just going further down and deeper into the hole. That is not a sustainable business. But in, like I said, in terms of the values, the type of businesses that I have, what I want to do when I wake up in the morning, uh, it's always it always comes from a very positive perspective on life of my role in, in relationships and so on. It just happens to be a business. What I did know that is that I didn't want the boss. That's for sure. <laughs> that was the decision not to make money, to be rich. Not again, that's a whole different thing, you know, money blocks and so on. I don't have an issue with that. I didn't want someone else to tell me what to do. That's for sure. I made that decision at an early age. Cool. You say there's no values there, but there is. I mean, the sustainability thing, and you mentioned the word success, but you clarified what it what it actually meant to you. And so many people have an idea of what success is, and it is about climbing, and it is associated with money. And so um, that's what I did in one of the modules of my course is to help get people to define what success means to them, because that is the driving force. It's crucial. Has there been a book or a person that has influenced you throughout your life? I would say so far there are books. uh, There were periods in my life that I read so much and then I stopped reading a lot. Uh, And now my eyes are not as good as they were. I just got a Kindle for the first time so I can read properly again. But I would have to say that uh, books are less uh, important or uh, significant in my life than people and relationships. And I would really have to say my mother uh, for, for very good reasons. My mother, who passed away over 10 years ago, was amazing. <laughs> she was just an amazing woman. I'm not the only one who says that. Everyone who met her <laughs> felt that way. She, she was very, very special. She was the smartest Till this day, the smartest woman I've ever, or man I've ever met. She was political. We, I grew up in a very political, not, she wasn't actively political. She was a human rights activist. And so everything was about doing things right, bringing justice and so on. And my father also, uh, a different story, but uh, uh, that's the kind of house I grew up in. Both my parents never chose their jobs or, or what they did for money. That Why would you choose that? Like, it's mm-hmm. what you want to do, what you're good at. You don't choose a job based on money. And it just sounds weird to me. She was a widow because my father uh, passed away when I was very young. And I realized when, so my mother was a widow and had no parents uh, by the time she was a widow at the age of 37 with two young yeah. kids. And I remember when I was 37 with two young kids and I realized it hit me that my mother went through all of that and how she raised us. And she was so strong and so smart. And, but what I specifically can't believe how she did it. And I really don't know how she did it was that our life was never tragic. It's the opposite. We were super privileged. We were lucky to have our parents. We were lucky to be born where we were born, when we were born, with our brains. And, you know, that was, it was always very, very positive. And it's not that she was a very lively kind of happy. No, she just had this view of life and our role and our circumstances were all super uh, privileged in, in the way that I was raised, even when I was struggling with my own businesses and struggling 
quite quite seriously with debt and with with lack of resources of all kinds. I never took a nine to five job because I knew, I knew it will be okay. I knew that I will continue, I will figure it out and we will be okay because everything is okay. My husband and kids, we're all healthy. Everything is okay. Mm. And that I don't think I would have gotten anywhere else wow. from any other family. So yeah, that's that would special. Be. Mm. Just goes to show that uh, looking to the outside of ourselves to fill ourselves up inside is such a waste of time. And I think that was part of that's my book journey in as much as I had to get over this ego side of things. The reason for my writing the book was the ego mm-hmm. to make me become mm-hmm. famous and all the rest of it. <laughs> Now I couldn't give a flying fart. I'm doing it for myself. My dad was very similar to you in as much a very unassuming person, quietly in the background, very solid in his values and things like that. Patience of a bloody sake, which would at times drive you to distraction. But looking, reflecting on it, and it's like, wow, steadfast. <laughs> he never moved from something. He wasn't stubborn, but he didn't move for something yeah. because he was... Re- there was a reassurance there and you just can't beat relationships really. What do you do when you are in a funk then? How do you energize yourself? Um, Like a creative funk or any kind of funk. Well, if you're feeling down, you know? um... Yeah. So it's not something that I stay in for a long time. The little you know about me, you can figure that out probably, but uh, I can get into some creative funk. So I don't consider myself super creative and because, you know, I have artists around me and I'm nothing like that, but I am creative in what I create in my business and Absolutely, so on. So, yeah. for, so for me to be in a funk is like, mm, like, ah, oh, I don't have that vibe of creating something new. So I've actually been going through that for a few months. I'm out of it now, but we were moving, as you know, when we were in the middle of houses and I didn't have my, my space and it just, things didn't flow as I'd like them to, to flow. So I, there's nothing specific that I do other than napping, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we spend a lot of time, my husband and children together, we're a very tight family and that really is the best for me as long as that is okay and sometimes it's a little off as well and uh, there's probably a correlation between the, the two but we we watch our shows together every evening we eat our meal we watch our shows and that always brings me back to to myself so I have the energy and and the motivation for for the following day even if it's not exactly the way I want it to be it will repeat itself and yeah. then it will you know, there's that stability we talked about before. So I definitely that's something that I, I love and come back to, to bring me back to myself. Uh, but there is no magic to getting out of funk for me. And uh, there's no single thing that would change everything. So I just keep But again, calling. I think from what you were saying earlier, it isn't inner faith, but it's also the relationships that support you. Gratitude for the smaller things where, where they're not actually, we see them as small, but actually they make a massive impact. Sorry, definitely, like you said, definitely not shopping or going outside to get, these are not things that would do anything for me, really. You're obviously quite a self-motivated lady, but is there some kind of um, quote that um, has influenced you or that you enjoy? Yes, there is, 100%. I, I, I hinted to it before. So it is from Spider-Man. Oh, God! <laughs> 
Stanley, uh, it's you know the 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 quote: "With great power comes great responsibility." That is my motto in life. It just happens to be from Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. When by the time I always get to the end of these interviews and things, how they reflect the beginning and things, or parts of what we said along the way. It's nothing to do with ego. It's not about us. Like the premise of your whole entire business, it's not about you. It's the service that you actually provide. And that's a massive reflection of it. Once you understand these things about yourself, subconsciously you take them on and life happens. Yes, you can design certain things. You can make decisions, but everything will align. And if the environment is not right, then that's when you're unsettled. Like for yourself, sometimes it's, the actual environment that we're in because you're mm-hmm. in temporary accommodation and everything was unsettled but right. it's there's like, literally there was no space like Virginia Woolf a room of her own you know I needed a space just give me a, a little desk <laughs> I can appreciate that I like my own space and I'm fortunate yeah. now to have it all to myself which is delicious so just to round things off if you could change one thing in the world what would it be and why that's a hard one I want to say definitely the the things that matter to me the values and so on that you know injustice racism these are things that really (laughs) to the core bother me I saw something just a couple of days ago I don't know if it's a quote or because I can't remember exactly the context but the, the idea that some people think that others are have more value that is the craziest thing to me yes that there are people with more value than others because of whatever reason you want to put on it is just it's so terrible and has caused so much pain and and suffering over the entire existence of of human beings so if I could change that I would do that Mm. but uh, you know I see it also in the business in in different ways Uh, and I try to do with you know with my little power my responsibility is to to change a little bit around me whether it's giving opportunities to people who don't necessarily have it with the way I structure my business and the accessibility of it, for example, or giving a space for marginalized people and so on, which I try to do in my little community. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely uh, do something like that. But unfortunately, it cannot. But actually, I have done. to say you are doing it. And um, when the type of people get scared of the type of question, it's like, I know for myself that earlier on in the journey, I wanted to save the world. And then you realize that you're, you feel, you can feel insignificant, but actually it's recognizing your significance, your value and the contribution that you make will have a ripple effect. And it's, it's knowing that and that there is nobody else is better than you because we all do poos basically I just say look at everybody does poos and you imagine them sitting on the toilet they're no better or worse than you um this is going back to our toilet paper thing (laughs) hopefully hopefully they're using it once yes there is no hierarchy and it is that hierarchy um that has destroyed the system and it has broken it down basically so just knowing your heart you are doing an amazing amazing job and I will be with you forever because you have made my life so much easier (laughs) I really appreciate it well it comes from the heart that's why I always extol the virtues of your of you and your business because you epitomize it thank you I appreciate it so much (laughs) welcome take care my lovely 
Well, that's it for another week, we Ace Busters. Remember, your voice and your actions have a ripple effect. Don't sit on the sidelines hoping for change. Don't doubt the significant impact you can make by contributing your unique gifts to create a thriving planet where all inhabitants live in harmony with one another. Ask yourself, what's one thing I can do today to make a difference? Then do it. So until next week, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential. <laughs>